You are listening to Reach MD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, your host, and with me today is Dr. Mark No, lecturer at the Chicago Medical School and a consulting physician for the Minnesota Twins. He is also an attending orthopedic surgeon at Condell Medical Center in Libertyville, Illinois. Today we will discuss common orthopedic sports injuries, specifically shoulder injuries. Welcome, Dr. No. Thank you, Dr. Hill. How often do you see shoulder injuries in sports? Shoulder injuries are very common in sports medicine, especially with overhead type sports. It's something that we see on a daily basis, and it affects people of all ages. What's an overhead type of sport? If you look at a sport like tennis or even volleyball, uh, even basketball going up to block a shot, there's many sports which require the hand to be placed up over the head, which puts a lot of stress on the shoulder when done repetitively. Do you see this commonly? Yes, absolutely. It starts at the young children. As they enter adolescence, it becomes more common all the way through adulthood. How do they present to your office? They can present in a couple of different ways. It depends upon what their sport is, but instability or rotator cuff injuries are the two common injuries that we might see. When you say instability, what exactly do you mean? The glenohumeral joint, if you look at it, is somewhat like a golf ball sitting on top of a golf tee. It's a very unstable joint by nature, which is why it is what it is, such a dynamic joint. And when you look at the shoulder, when the ball and the socket are not articulating well, that's when instability occurs. What kind of symptoms do these patients have other than pain? Well, pain being the most common, but also they have a sensation of instability. They might tell you that their shoulder feels like it's sliding around or not moving as well as it should. Can you tell from just the history alone what injury they have? History is the most important feature, I think, when dealing with shoulder injuries. Um, when a patient comes into the office complaining of shoulder pain, you want to get an idea of where their shoulder hurts and whether or not they even suffered an injury specifically or whether or not it just started to occur over time. Once you've located the shoulder pain and what I would call the mechanism of the onset of pain, whether it be overuse from repetition or whether it just be a specific traumatic event, then you can start to focus in on exactly how you're going to approach it. Now, specifically, if they do one sport or another, do you have certain injuries that you ascribe to that sport? Absolutely. Throwing injuries that a pitcher might experience are going to be very unique in the uh, sports population, and there are certain injuries that we see much more commonly in a throwing shoulder than we would in another sport of any kind. So when the patient comes to you and gets examined by you, what do you look for? What do you find on physical examination? Well, the first thing I want to do is just look at the symmetry of their shoulders, and then I need to palpate the shoulders and find out the location of pain. It possibly is a pain that you cannot reproduce by palpation. It may be a pain that only occurs during the athletic activity. And what do you do in that situation if you cannot reproduce the pain? Well, if palpation alone doesn't reproduce the pain, usually there's a provocative maneuver that we can put the shoulder into that might bring the pain on. For instance, if you're looking for a shoulder instability or dislocation, somebody who might have dislocated a shoulder, uh, you can put the arm in an abducted and externally rotated position, which is a position of instability for them, and that will reproduce their symptoms. There's other lesions as well, like slap lesions, which are talked about in the media now, especially with the throwing athlete, which is a detachment of the biceps anchor where it attaches on the glenoid. And there's about four or five different provocative maneuvers that we can pretty reliably use to test that biceps anchor as well. Now, generally speaking, 
What role does age have in terms of specific injuries of the shoulder? Age plays a major role. The younger athlete is going to go through growth issues and potentially have overuse or growth plate type issues. Uh, an older athlete is going to have uh, a different kind of an overuse injury where their rotator cuff may be a little more broken down or degenerative than a younger teenage athlete. So they're going to experience more rotator cuff issues uh, than a younger athlete who's going to experience more labrum and or instability issues. Now, these young people in high school and grammar school, I guess they're playing sports year-round. Now, does that make a difference to you in terms of the injuries that you see in their uh, recovery? Absolutely. I think that the year-round sport has become common now at all ages in all sports, from ice hockey and soccer, gymnastics, cheerleading even. And these children are spending more time practicing for those sports and participating in those sports than they ever used to. This has eliminated the off-season period, which physicians have typically relied on to allow an athlete to recover from a particular injury. Our ability to be able to keep a child out of a sport is becoming more difficult. We're feeling more pressure from parents and coaches to keep the children going, and it's really changed the face of sports medicine, especially in the young athlete. Dr. No, is this year-round sports activity for these youngsters, is it actually detrimental in the long run rather than facilitating their abilities? On some level, it can be. I think that the benefits are, of course, as we're creating better athletes and children are becoming more and more competitive at a younger age. I don't think there's anything wrong with year-round sports activities, but I think it's important that a child mixes up the sports that they participate in. So if they play ice hockey in the wintertime, they may want to choose a sport like baseball in the springtime, and this will keep them using different body parts in different ways to help prevent some of those overuse injuries and allow recovery time. Dr. No, when we look at a shoulder injury by history and physical exam, do you always obtain some sort of x-ray or imaging study? No, actually I do not. Uh, X-rays are certainly the uh, starting point if I'm going to do imaging. But there's many injuries that come into the office, especially the overuse injuries in the younger athletes that don't really warrant a set of X-rays. If there's been a traumatic event, it's always safe to get a set of X-rays, not just to rule out dislocation, but also to rule out a fracture. In the absence of a traumatic event, uh, the uh, use of X-ray can be done on a case-by-case basis. An MRI is reserved only in certain cases. So a patient doesn't come in and you immediately ordered an MRI? Uh, Correct. MRIs, in my opinion, are to be used to help supplement your physical exam findings. Once you've formulated a differential diagnosis in your head about what may be going on inside that patient's shoulder, then you decide on the treatment plan. If that treatment plan will be affected or impacted by an MRI result, then that's when you would order the MRI. For many shoulder injuries, treatment starts with physical therapy, whether it be with an athletic trainer at a child's school or whether it be with a certified physical therapist. uh, Exercise and therapy are essential starting points for treating a shoulder injury. Must you objectively see the injury on MRI before you treat it? No. You should be able to get enough information from the history and physical exam alone to at least formulate an idea of whether you're dealing with a rotator cuff issue or a labrum and instability issue or an overuse injury, and that should help formulate your treatment plan. Most physical therapists feel very comfortable with approaching a patient from that standpoint. There's very little harm that could be done to a patient by starting rehab 
within the presence of a rotator cuff tear when that wasn't realized initially. Now, we have all learned in medical school what the rotator cuff is. Could you, in a simplified fashion, just tell us again what is a rotator cuff injury? Rotator cuff is four muscles that surround the shoulder attaching to the greater tuberosity and lesser tuberosities around the shoulder to rotate the shoulder. The muscles attach to the bone by tendon, of course, forming a cuff of tissue which rotates the shoulder. These tendons can be abraded due to friction between the greater tuberosity and the acromion, or they can be traumatically injured in an avulsion type of a situation where the rotator cuff tendon actually tears. Now, physical therapy has dramatic results, yes? Yes, it does. Physical therapy is truly the mainstay of treatment for shoulder injuries. Whether or not there's pathology that's present, which may even warrant surgical intervention, it is recommended in most situations to give a course of at least a two- to three-month trial of physical therapy first. Do you usually add to that uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory agents or even cortisone injections? Anti-inflammatories definitely play a useful role early on, as well as activity modification or avoiding the aggravating event. Cortisone injections are reserved for typically more tendonitis-type situations, and I don't do cortisone injections in the young athlete very often. Why? Well, there can be harmful effects from the cortisone on either the articular cartilage if it's done in an intra-articular environment or on the tendon itself, and I don't think that this is really warranted in most of our student-athletes. And when do you operate? Surgery is reserved for the patients that do not respond well to non-operative measures such as therapy and anti-inflammatories. If the pain persists and it affects their function, whether it be with sports alone or activities of daily living, then you go ahead and proceed with surgery. And is that generally the majority or minority? It's actually the minority. I probably see about 1 out of 20 patients with shoulder injuries that actually end up going on to surgery. And when do you decide to do an open procedure versus an arthroscopic procedure? I do most of my surgeries arthroscopically today, uh, probably about 95%, but there is still a role for open surgery. Uh, Open surgery in my hands is reserved more for the massively torn rotator cuffs or the chronic injuries, which tends to be in a little bit of the older patient population. Labrum work, biceps anchor work, and even rotator work in the younger athlete in most cases is able to be handled well arthroscopically. Before you take a patient to surgery, must you have an MRI confirmation of the diagnosis? I typically do do an MRI. There's two different kinds of MRIs that can be done, a standard MRI without contrast or an MRI arthrogram. The arthrogram is reserved for patients that might have labral pathology that's not well visualized on a standard MRI. And when do you let these athletes go back to their sports? Typically, if there's any sort of a repair that's done, whether it be labrum or whether it be rotator cuff, it's about a four-month tendon or labrum to bone healing time. Most athletes can't return to their sport before four to six months after shoulder surgery. Finally, is there any way that we can prevent these injuries? Is the protection adequate for these young people and the professional athletes as well? Prevention is absolutely possible. I think that mechanics of a sport are very, very important, and the better trained coaches that you can find are going to produce not only the better athletes, but I think the safer athletes. Certainly in a throwing shoulder, which is the most commonly injured shoulder, throwing mechanics are everything. So if you can find a good pitching coach to teach you good throwing mechanics, then you're going to help prevent injury. And what about the youngsters in grammar school and high school? Is the protection around their shoulders, specifically in football and other sports like that, is it adequate? In the contact sports like ice hockey and football, it is adequate. 
what, what, what's been done in, uh, in throwing sports in the younger athlete has been pitch counts, and the coaches have been held to having to count the number of pitches that a, stu- that a child throws and won't allow a, stu- a child to throw more than one or two innings in a baseball game. And what would you say is the most common shoulder injury that you see? The most common shoulder injury is probably rotator cuff tendonitis. And is that just because we overdo it, or is our shoulder just intrinsically badly architecturally formed? It's a combination of uh, overdoing it and also poor shoulder mechanics. Most people don't work on rotator cuff strength and glenohumeral stability when they do their typical exercise. They work on biceps and triceps, but they don't focus on those endurance muscles. So with a well-formulated home exercise program, most patients can help stabilize their shoulder better to get rid of rotator cuff tendonitis without cortisone injections or surgery. Thank you. I want to thank Dr. Mark No, who has been our guest, and we have been discussing common orthopedic sports injuries, specifically discussing the shoulder. I am Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.